I want to say thank you for showing up today uh, because this is the second part of uh, a message on giving. And several of you were here for last week or several of you watched online uh, last week. You may not have known that this was a message on giving. You're like, why didn't you tell us in advance? Because I didn't didn't warn you about this. But this is a two-part message that we're doing on giving because we're talking about habits of the heart. And the idea behind this series is what are some habits that we can... uh, institute in our lives that will help us grow spiritually in the new year we talked about prayer we've been talking about giving next week we're going to start talking about worship and so each one of the habits is broken down into two parts you've got the first part is just what is the heart of it what is the heart of prayer what is the heart of giving what is the heart of worship and then the second part is a specific question about that habit and so last week we talked giving and I'm not real sure I ever gave the heart of giving like I'm not I'm not real sure I narrowed it down to one point we talked a lot about giving I had like four or five different points and we were in second Corinthians chapter eight and nine and so I shared a lot of information from the Bible about giving but I'm not sure I really narrowed it down to like this is the heart of giving and to me if I was going to do that the heart of giving is about intentionality so it's it's about it's about giving purposefully uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it's verse 6 or 7 or somewhere in there, you know, it says each of, us sh- each of us should give what we have decided into our heart to give, not um, reluctantly or under compulsion, but, you know, we, we just, we give according to our means. And so I, I kind of key in on that phrase, decided in our heart to give. I think our giving should be done with intentionality. It should be done with purpose. It's not just something we do haphazardly. It's not something that we're guilted into. It's not something we do because we feel like we're obligated to do it. Uh, it's not something we do because we're manipulated into doing it. It's something we do willingly, uh, and we do it with, with purpose in mind. We know what we're going to give and why we're going to give and, and what we're giving to and all those things. So it's all about intentionality. Uh, so that's the, the New Testament teaching on giving, if you were to summarize it, is just uh, give generously. I mean, that's, I give generously, and so to give generously, I do that with intentionality. So that's the, the teaching on it. The specific question that arises, uh, especially for those of us who grew up in church, the specific question is, yeah, but what about the tithe? So I, I know giving is important, but should I be tithing? And if you're not familiar with that word, tithe, it's an old English word that means a tenth. And it's supposed to, it represents 10% of your income. And so if you grew up in, you know, different certain denominations and stuff, you probably heard that you're supposed to give a tithe to the church. And a tithe represents 10% of your income. So 10% of your income, or they call it the first fruit sometime, is supposed to go uh, to the church. So the question that I'm going to try to address in today's message is, is that... I mean, is that something that Scripture commands? Is that something we should be doing? We looked at 2 Corinthians that we're to give generously. Does that equal tithe? You know, are are those synonymous with one another? Should I be tithing um, to the church? And, uh, you know, this idea comes directly from the Old Testament. Uh, Abraham tithed the spoil of of war. war, Excuse me, I can't talk this morning. And um, then the practice was commanded in the law of Moses. So a lot of churches and a lot of denominations continue to teach the tithe today. So I'm going to ask for a show of hands in just a minute. Not about who's tithing. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you who's tithing. I will never ask you that question. And I will never know the answer to that question. Um, we were talking in our small group Wednesday night about, uh, I read a story about a church that required their members to turn in their W-2s to the church. 
so that they could see whether or not their members were tithing. And I thought, wow, that's, that's, and I tried to Google it this week, trying to figure out, you know, what church it was. Like, I just remember hearing that story, and I Googled it. Uh, it's more widespread than you think. I mean, there, there was like a bunch of stories about it. I thought this is just some kind of weird, random thing. There was a bunch of stories about it. We will never ask you to do that at this church. Now, if we ask you to do that, you can leave. Okay, you got my permission. That's a good reason to leave a church if they're asking for your tax returns and W-2s to check your tithe. Um, I'll probably leave with you. But what, I, what I'm curious about is if you grew up in church, this is a question for those of us that grew up with a church background, how many of you grew up in churches that emphasized the tithe? Like you remember your pastor talking about, you know, we should tithe and, you know, the church emphasizing it and there was a lot of kind of talk about that. Or how many of you grew up in churches that talked about giving but never really talked about the tithe? So I would like to see a show of hands if you're comfortable doing that. Just how many of you grew up in churches or denominations that emphasized the tithe or the 10%? Okay, and then how many of you grew up in churches or denominations that did giving but didn't really emphasize a tithe? Okay, it's a, it's a little bit heavier on the tithe side than it is those that weren't on the tithe side. I was on the non-tithe side. Okay, so I, I grew up, we passed the plate every Sunday at the church I grew up in. And uh, I do remember messages about giving. I don't ever remember a single message about the tithe at Hornwall Church of Christ. That's where I grew up. I didn't discover the tithe until I would say I was in my early 20s. That was the first time I'd ever heard a teaching on it. And uh, I actually started tithing at that point when I was in my early 20s. And have continued to do so ever since I heard uh, that teaching on it. But the question is, is it required? I mean, is, is this something, you know, I, I'm trying to follow God's word and I'm trying to follow the scriptures here. So is this something that is required of me as a believer? And I'm going to answer the question first, and then we're going to explain why I answer the question the way I do. So I'm going to do this one just a little bit differently. Um, here's the way I would answer the question. I cannot in good faith tell you that the tithe is required in the Scriptures for New Testament believers. Because I don't think it is. Uh, and I'll explain why I don't think it is in just a minute here. I can in good faith tell you that the tithe has been a blessing and encouragement in my life. And I'll explain why that is. Because those two things don't seem to line up. It's like if it's not a requirement, then why is it a blessing? But let's, let's take a look. So uh, if you grew up in, in a church that emphasized the tithe, I'm sure you are familiar with this passage of Scripture right here from Malachi. There's only two texts we know from Malachi. What it says about divorce and what it says about tithing. Other than that, we hear no messages at all from the book of Malachi. But every year, your pastor probably at some point used a text from Malachi to talk about the tithe. And this is the text, verses uh, 8 through 10 in chapter 3. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, there's several points that are made in this text and that are usually related to it. Of course, the big one is kind of the heavy one, like, you know, are you going to rob God? 
Nobody wants to be guilty of robbing God. Nobody wants to be accused of robbing God. And you say, well, how am I robbing God? In tithes and offerings. And then it attaches a curse that if we're not tithing, there's a curse. Uh, some people said, you know, it was even taught as like there's a curse on your family. There's a curse on you generationally if you don't tithe. And then there's a blessing. You know, like there's a, you're, you're, you know, God's going to give you so much if you would just tithe. Now, there's a, there's a lot of really heavy stuff in that, which is interesting to me. Here's what I had a hard time trying to, to reconcile this week. 2 Corinthians chapters uh, 8 and 9 say that we should give willingly, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So Paul says you should not be under compulsion when you give. But then the prophet Malachi seems to say, let me give you some compulsion. Like, here's a good dose of compulsion as to why you should be given. So it's interesting to me that we use Malachi to do the opposite of what it talks about in Corinthians. So how do we, how do we reconcile all of this? Uh, Malachi seems to be, you know, putting pretty hard command on the tithe. And then the other place that people will go is uh, the example of Abraham I mentioned, but like you typically go to the law of Moses. And there's a couple of different places in the law of Moses where the tithe is commanded. One of them's in Leviticus. Now, we love to pick and choose when it comes to Leviticus, but uh, we do like this one right here, uh, verse, chapter 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, is holy to the Lord. And then the other one's in Deuteronomy 14, 22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. And that's from the NIV. The NIV actually softens that language. So if you've got some other translations like the English Standard Version or some of the other ones, they, they kinda, it sounds much more like a command because it is a command. In Deuteronomy and Leviticus, the tithe is commanded to the people of Israel. Um, as far as I can tell, it's only mentioned one time in the New Testament, and that's by Jesus in his rebuke of the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. I think it's also in Luke, but it's the same story. But in Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. The next verse says, you blind guides, you strain a gnat but swallow a camel. And so the way that this passage is taught is right there at the end. He says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So Jesus commands the tithe. The, the problem is this. In, in using that passage to specify the tithe, we're in some ways doing exactly what Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees for doing, straining gnats and swallowing camels. So the, the point of this text is we need to be teaching more about the tithe. That's not the point of the text. The point of the text is we need to be preaching more about justice, mercy, and faithfulness because you're neglected. You know, he's pointing out the legalism of the Pharisees. Like you guys are so legalistic about making sure you follow every single letter of the law while neglecting the whole spirit of the law, the whole purpose of the law, the intent of the law. You guys are following the letter of the law, but you're neglecting the spirit. And if you follow the letter of the law and neglect the spirit, it does no good. And so that's what he's rebuking uh, the Pharisees for right here. And, and to me, that I, as far as I know, that's the only mention uh, in the New Testament. Other than that, the New Testament only speaks about giving generously, and it doesn't specify an amount. So if I was to take all of this, and we don't have time in a 
you know, 25-minute message to do every verse about tithing. There's a bunch of verses in the Old Testament about tithing. I could show you a bunch more, and I could make a really strong case that it's clearly commanded in the Old Testament. Why could I do that? Because it is. And so here's the way that, that different people have tended to look at this. So I'm going to break this down for you here. So if you were in a tithing church or of a tithing mindset, it would break it down like this. Number one, tithing was clearly commanded to practice in the Old Testament. Number two, the New Testament doesn't mention it as much, but it doesn't do away with it either. Number three, therefore, the tithe is still applicable to New Testament Christians. Uh, uh, kind of a fourth one that people talk about is, well, Abram tithed before the law of Moses. So Abram gave a tithe before the law of Moses was instituted, so therefore the tithe predates the law, and it's actually a universal practice for Christians of all times and all faiths. So that's one way of looking at it. Here's the other way of looking at it. You say tithing was clearly commanded and practiced in the Old Testament. It absolutely was. The New Testament doesn't mention it as much because the New Testament emphasizes giving. So it's clear if you look at all the text in the New Testament, there's a shift in focus when you go from Old Testament to New Testament. And the New Testament talks about giving much, much more, really ten times more than it does about tithing. Therefore, the tithe is no longer applicable to New Testament Christians because we're not under Old Testament law. We live according to the new covenant as established by Jesus. We've been, been set free from the obligations of the old law. And, and you see this. This all comes down to how you interpret the Bible. But you see this in numerous other examples. So there are certain ceremonial and civil laws established in the law of Moses that are commanded in Leviticus and commanded in Deuteronomy and commanded in these other places that as New Testament Christians we are not obligated to follow. Now the spirit may be maintained in the New Testament, but some examples of this is not just the tithe, but also circumcision, the kosher laws, observance of the Sabbath. So the spirit of the Sabbath may be in there. We should, we should rest and we should set aside you know, times as holy to God. The spirit of the Sabbath is there, but we're not commanded as New Testament Christians to observe the Sabbath. We're not commanded as New Testament Christians to, to observe circumcision as a way of being part of the Christian faith. And that actually answers the Abraham question because Abraham was also circumcised before the law of Moses. And um, the, the New Testament clearly teaches that we do not have to do that in order to be Christians. Because we serve under a new covenant. In Galatians chapter 5 uh, verse 6 it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I heard a teacher this week uh, kind of talk about that in, there's a chance that you know, if you were to kind of rewrite this for today's church, you might could say, For in Christ Jesus neither tithing nor not tithing has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself love and you can really put any practice in there that people are using as a test of faith to say whether or not someone is a real Christian or not a real Christian whether it be tithing or circumcision or the Sabbath or how often you go to church or whatever I mean any anything that you put in and say yeah you're not yeah I mean you follow Jesus but you're not a real Christian unless you fill in the blank Paul says in Galatians anything you fill in the blank with other than Jesus is not the gospel that's a perversion of the gospel the only thing that counts, the New Testament is shifting it to faith expressing itself through love. And um, so I want to read you just a little bit of, of what I wrote here because I think I can, I can read it better than I can write it. Deborah, you got, Deborah uh, encouraged me to do this. So um, it said, the law obligates and grace, grace frees us to serve. 
So the heart of New Testament giving is not about obligation to or fear of the law. The heart of New Testament giving is about faith, love, and generosity. So the New Testament keeps the spirit of the tithe without the burden of the tithe, just like the Sabbath, just like those other ones. The New Testament encourages us to give generously, but it does not specify an exact amount. So it all comes down to how you understand Old and New Testament covenants. And there's a lot, I mean, we could do a lot of teaching on this because this comes into, into a lot of different ways. So that's why I say, you know, I can't in good faith tell you that uh, you're, the tithe is applicable to New Testament Christians today because I don't think the New Testament teaches a tithe. And we follow, as New Testament Christians, we follow the teaching of the New Testament. I don't think it teaches us to tithe. So it teaches us to give, but it doesn't specify an exact amount that we should be giving. Yet at the same hand, I told you, I'm doing it. <laughs> so why am I doing it if the New Testament doesn't tell me to do it? Let me, let me explain that. Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, you've got six different statements that are, uh, you have heard it said, but I tell you statements. And they're examples where Jesus takes the old law, and he says, I didn't come to do away with the old law, but to fulfill the old law. And I think Jesus is kind of going to the spirit of the old law, not the, not the obligation or the burden or the necessity or the legalism of the old law. And uh, in those statements, Jesus will take an old law and then apply it into the New Testament. So he'll be like, you know, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, don't even be angry at your brother. You've heard, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, don't even look at another person lustfully. Because, you know, what the the Pharisees were doing was taking that old law and saying, well, I'm going to hit it as a check mark. I'm going to tithe even my spices. I think that's one of the things Jesus is saying in Matthew 23. Like, you guys are even tithing your spices. I never asked for that. I never asked you to tithe the spices out of your garden. I mean, you guys are just so meticulous making sure you follow the exact letter of the law, and you miss, you've taken all the grace out of it. Paul says giving's an act of grace, and you've taken all of the grace out of giving because you've made giving a burden and an obligation, and a necessity, and, and you've taken all the grace out of it. And so, um, the, Jesus is, is kind of explaining, you know, old law, new law. Now, he does not mention anything in those six statements about the tithe. But if I think he had, he might say something along the lines of, you've heard it said, you should tithe your offering. But I tell you, give generously. In other words, I don't think the New Testament is necessarily lowering the standard. Like at first, when you hear a teaching, especially if you grew up in a tithe church and you hear a teaching that says, oh, you, you don't have to tithe, your first thought is like, oh, thank goodness. You know, thank goodness I'm free from that obligation. I don't know that the New Testament necessarily lowers the standard. I think the New Testament tends to raise the standard in, in the same way that it does at grace because when I'm giving out a grace, it looks different than giving out a law or obligation. And so the New Testament is just teaching us to give generously and that's ultimately why I decided to tithe just because I thought well 10% could be a good measurement of of generosity for me this is not I, I can't legislate that for everybody else no pastor can legislate what you give because the New Testament never legislates it so I, I, I can't tell you what to give I can't tell you what percentage is, is good for me you may hear me say 10% and you go well we give 15% I can't believe you only give 10 and you may say, well, we give five. I don't know that we'll ever get to ten. You have to decide, the New Testament says, decide what you give in your heart to give according to your means. So we give according to our means. I'm just saying that's, for, for me, I, 
and I'll tell you how it came about. Um, we were in our early 20s, and like I said, I grew up in not hearing about that. I did say that giving should be done intentional, intentionally. Well, when I was in my early 20s, I was not given intentionally, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, when the plate got passed, I, I pulled out my wallet and saw what was in there, and a dollar or two, five dollars if I was feeling really generous, whatever it was. There was no intentionality to it. I had not thought about it. I didn't consider it. It just, when the plate hit, I just, eh, maybe, okay. And, and my Uncle Jimmy, who's a pastor, uh, he did a teaching. And this, we were attending Southwest Church of Christ at the time, and he did this teaching. And uh, Jenny and I were within a year or two of being married, and um, we were living on one income, which was my income from the church, and it wasn't a great deal, and she was still in school. And I just remember we became convicted after that. We said, let's, let's start doing this. Let's, let's try to give 10% of our income. And so we, we just wrote out a budget. We were following the Dave Ramsey plan at the time, the envelope system, and we were like, let's come up with a budget, and let's... You know, let's just, let's start doing this. And uh, we, this is how I did it. The only way I could do it was I got paid on Friday. And this was back in the dark ages when you had to take that physical check to a physical bank location and hand it to a person and give them your account number. I mean, it's, you know, like it was just, can't believe we had to do that. But I, I would take my check and I would either take cash out of that check or I would write a check and I would put that in my wallet, and that was my giving for Sunday. And theoretically, that was meant that I'd already spent that money, so theoretically, I was not going to spend it over the weekend. I can't say that that always happened. But that's why I actually flipped over to a check instead of cash, because cash has a tendency to disappear. So, you know, and so I, I, that check, that was you know, the first, when I got paid on Friday, the first check was, was written for my offering. And... Uh, we just, that became a habit. It did not become a habit overnight. No habit becomes a habit overnight. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, looking back, I can say, oh, I did that ever since I was 21 years old. I probably didn't, okay? I probably missed some Sundays. There was probably some other times I'm like, I don't know, this, we're going to have to hold off on this today. And, um, and I do have a problem with any preacher that tells you, you know, you should go into debt. In order to give, absolutely not. Don't go into debt in order to give. Don't put it on a credit card unless you're just paying that thing off every week. Um, or pastors that, well, you know, you should, you know, the, the widow's might, you know, you should go into poverty in order to give. You know, you skip your electric payment and send the church its tithe. No, no, not at all. You're, you have an obligation to your family. Give according to your means. If you can't take care of your family, you don't have the means to give. Um, but anyway, I, I, I did that as a, as a weekly habit. And when... I got a raise, I adjusted the amount. And when Jenny went to work and we had some income there, we adjusted the amount. And I've done that uh, ever since. And to me, this is just me speaking, it's been a great blessing to me because it taught me how to be intentional with my offering. Um, at first, every bit of that went to the church because we were in our early 20s and there weren't a lot of nonprofits reaching out. Nonprofits don't really target 21 year olds saying, hey, we got our annual giving campaign. You guys want to give? Because they know us 21 year olds don't have any money. But so everything we gave just, it just all went to the church. That was the only charity we knew. But as we became older and we got involved in other ministries or, um, you know, other ministries started reaching out to us, we began to adjust that a little bit. And then I said, okay, I'm going to set a portion of it for the church. And then I'm going to set a portion of it for these other nonprofits or kingdom 
like-minded ministries and stuff. So it's, you know, the whole thing. For me, I was still trying to do the whole thing at 10%. But, again, I'm just telling you what I do. I'm not, this is not, I'm just saying. So I actually, you know, started doing a spreadsheet because you all know I love spreadsheets. And so I got a giving spreadsheet. And I, you know, I calculate what our, you know, what's coming in and, and what we're able to give. And, and I kind of. I don't do that because the New Testament obligates me to do an Excel sheet. You know, it doesn't. The New Testament does not tell us to do a spreadsheet. You may think that's over the top and crazy and all that kind of stuff. I don't do it because it's a burden. I don't do it because it's an obligation. I do it because it's fun. I like looking at that money and going, that's how much money I got to give this year. That's awesome. I mean, I, 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 mean, I like looking and going, that's, I, this is what I've got. This is what I'm able to do. This is what we're able to give. And, and, yeah, we talk about it together. You know, you know if, if, you're, if you're married, you need to talk about it with your spouse. You know, don't be giving away money that belongs to both of you. So uh, talk about it together. And it's just, for me, all the tithe has done for me is teach me how to be more intentional with my giving. And that's why I say it's, it's a blessing to me. So here, here's what I hope you take away from the message, okay? The first thing I hope you take away is... If you are, if you're feeling that you've got a tithe because you know you were manipulated into it at some point in your life, or you you were guilted into it, or there's a significant amount of shame attached, if I'm not giving this amount and God's not going to bless me here, or if you think that that's robbing God, or if you think there's a curse, put all that out of your mind. That's not you're not obligated to tithe. Uh, it shouldn't be a burden. It shouldn't be something you're com- compelled. Uh, what's it? What did you say? Under compulsion to do. It should be something you do willingly, freely. It's an act of grace. It's a privilege. Um, so that's the first thing. The second is I would encourage you to think about how you give generously. And it does not all have to go to this church. Uh, I, I know that, you know, some, some people are like, well, that's a, that's a, I don't know if you should say that, Pastor. Uh, we're not the only place doing good work in the kingdom. There's a lot of places doing good work in the kingdom. Now, we have ministries here that I hope you think enough of that you say, yeah, let's, let's help fund that. And you see what happens when we pull all our funds together, like what we did for the Well Outreach. I mean, that's incredible. The only way that happened was we had like 150-something people gave to that. Uh, I think the average gift for that was like $700. Some of you gave way more than that. Some of you gave less, way less than that. But when the, when the body of Christ comes together, we can do some really pretty incredible things together. So, yeah, I hope some of it goes to the church, but it doesn't all have to go to the church. It goes wherever you decide in your heart to give. And that's what I want to close with. This is is the text, the key text, and this is what I hope you take away from all of this. And uh, and I'll I'll lead us in a word of prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. I've I've been all over it. Today, but I'll I'll just I'll read exactly as it's written here. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's the New Testament teaching. Let's pray together. Father, I I, I pray that uh, I pray you help us to to wrestle with this in our in our lives, and it's hard for us to wrestle with this because there's been so many abuses of this teaching. And um, so we got a lot of uh, resistance to hearing what you might have to say to us through this. And um, I pray that we would kind of lower that resistance uh, and just look at your word for what it is and, and just try to live according to your word. 
Uh, I pray that the message that is preached today and what was preached yesterday is, is received in the spirit with which it's intended. And um, I, I pray that you would help all of us to live our lives generously, whatever that looks like for us, and to, to release ourselves from the guilt of never enough, never enough, never enough, because that's the very thing that your son came to free us from. Uh, we are enough because Jesus says we are enough. That's the gospel. That's, that's, what, you, that's what you've sent. Jesus. We'll never be enough on our own. We, we, we owe a debt that we cannot repay to you. And we know that we have that through your son Jesus. So God, help us to discover the freedom that's in Jesus and, and the grace uh, that's in Jesus. And help us to remember, um, as your word says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.